Today on People with Passion for Pets, we talk to Charles Peden. Charles is an animal communicator and a psychic medium. Hey, <laughs> hi there. Hey, much better. Hi. <laughs> hi. Well, it's so nice Let's to meet up, you. Uh, oh, thank you. Well, thank you um, for making the time. Show called People with Passion for Pets. And we just love to find people that out of the love for animals have somehow either created a business or a product or like you, obviously, almost a lifestyle. It's a good way to put it, a lifestyle. Yeah, I talk to the animals. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my name is Charles Peden, psychic medium, animal communicator. I focus on animals pretty extensively because there's a lot of people that work with uh, humans, but not so many that work with animals, although it's a growing field. So um, presently, what I do is I do uh, individual readings over the phone. I do it via Skype. I do it uh, in person, limited. I do group readings online through Zoom. Um, and I also do Facebook Live events, um, oftentimes with more of a educational kind of approach as opposed to channeling and so forth. Um, in addition to that, I also teach people how to do this. I saw that on your website. We all have the capability to do it. We just don't know that we all have that capability mm -hmm. and how to harness it. It's kind of like having OnStar on your vehicle and having no one pointed out to you. And every now and then you <laughs> hit something and it's like, turn left. And you're like, whoa, whoa what was that? <laughs> uh, that's your grandma or that's your dog watching over you telling you, hey, you don't want to hit that traffic. Turn left. <laughs> yeah. And, and Charles, you know, I can see all kinds of awesome applications. Um, you know, we're dog trainers. We wrote a book about traveling with dogs. Just to think about the applications of behavior issues or health issues in animals and how, you know, clients could connect with their animals. It's, it's just, it's so very cool. Just today, uh, right before we got on the phone, I had a client and she needed to connect with an animal who had been injured. And so she gave me her dog's name and I described the physical appearance of her dog to confirm a connection. I don't require a photograph. I believe that if you can communicate with them, you don't need a photo because they can describe themselves to you. Oh, awesome. And so she went ahead and, and I'm talking about the dog. She described what happened. She had injured her knee on a walk recently. And she made it very clear that the, uh, she did not want any additional uh, pain meds that made her tummy feel unpleasant. And she was scared oh of doing further damage by being knocked out and not feeling it. Um, they had her on some CBD and she said that that was working perfectly fine and just to leave the dosage where it was at. And I said, is there anything else you need? And she goes, well, my mom just ate some spaghetti and uh, not spaghetti, but some uh, pasta noodles. Uh, the little shells, and I really would like some of those. <laughs> My client just about freaked out because she had just prepared that like a little before we got on the phone. And of course, she did not give any to her dog. And her dog's like saying, hey, listen, you know, you could have hooked me up. <laughs> now that I got the opportunity to make a request. And so, um, yeah, that was pretty good. You know, we got to check in with her, make sure her needs are being met, that she doesn't need anything further. So forth. And of course, I work with missing animal cases too. So I was recently working with a missing bird. I have a client, she's a wildlife rehabber, and she had a stellar jay go missing. And the stellar jay cannot fly because of the injury sustained while the baby uh, fledgling. And so I had a conversation with the jay. Unfortunately, it's a sad story. He told me about his drowning and he described the exact location, including the rock wall and all these other features. 
client went to the location I described, found the bird immediately. It's not, it's not always pleasant, but at least there's some closure because they now know what happened. Correct. Yes. And so, of course, oftentimes there's a, a much different outcome, one that was actually on ABC News 7 Chicago, I think. I had recovered a dog that had gone missing uh, in downtown Chicago. My client had attempted to catch this person or stop this person from jumping from a bridge and committing suicide. So she let her dog go in the process. She dropped the dog's leash, jumped over this wall, went to go grab the person, literally in a bear hug to prevent them from jumping. And in the process, her dog got loose and took off. So then I asked the dog, I go, okay, what can you tell me, buddy? He goes, oh, yeah, it was not a bridge over water. This was over train tracks. I'm like, okay, thank you. What else can you tell me? He goes, um, let me tell you all about the bean. I'm like, oh, you mean the bean, the art installation? He goes, yes. I go by it every day on my walk. I said, okay, so where'd you go? He goes, well, I went past it. I said, okay, what did you do then? He goes, well, then I took a left at the next intersection. He showed me a parking garage. He goes, I'm on the third floor. I'm underneath this vehicle. It's a van with black and green lettering on it. It's a white van. He, he had his leash still on. He goes, I can't hardly breathe. I'm getting a little panicked here. You got to hurry. We recovered him in less than 20 minutes. And he was stuck under a rent enterprise rent van. So very practical applications and of course i work with a lot of behavioral concerns a lot of end of life concerns i just worked with a dog who he used to take the same walk every single day and all of a sudden he stopped going down that road he absolutely refused his person tried to pull him push him prod him no success i had a little chat with him i asked him why he said last time my mom went down that road she sliced her neck and almost died oh wow it's true what happened was she was on the sidewalk. She was walking down the road. There was a pickup truck with a load in the um, bed and it was sheet metal and it was sticking out over the edge of the bed. And so when she was walking through there, she was paying attention to her dog, not the sheet metal sticking out into the sidewalk. And she needed 14 stitches right here. Almost killed her. So the dog's like, I'm not letting her go down that way again. I'm not losing my mom. <laughs> <laughs> hey buddy it's been cleaned up the issue is no longer present you don't have to worry about it and now he goes down there like a champ and doesn't hold back anymore had a chat with a seeing eye dog who wasn't doing their job they actually were the one to cop to it themselves they're like yeah i'm really kind of lazy <laughs> person told me they're about ready to get rid of it get it new training or something and the dog understood the uh gravity of what was going on after we had a little chat and that dog has been the best dog ever since. Wow. So, and this is really interesting to me, Charles, because, you know, from, from my point of view, I was just thinking, um, you know, it's the human that benefits because, you know, you can give the communication from the animal to the human, but now you actually opened up a whole new window for me because you're telling us also that you can communicate and let them know, our animals know certain things and that helps them change their behaviors. So that's yeah, very interesting. I just interesting. got a note from a client. Uh, it was yesterday I received the note. Um, she had a problem with taking her dog to the vet. The dog is so bad at the vet, they literally have to knock it out. We're talking unconscious, you know? <laughs> so um, she told me that after the conversation we had with the dog, she didn't have to knock him out. In fact, he handled that visit with a uh, vet yesterday like a champ. That's awesome. And I had another dog that was eating uh, wild mushrooms. They were foraging wild mushrooms. And my client was in a panic. They're like, he's going to kill himself. 
And I actually had a dog when I was a kid who did eat a uh, wild poisonous mushroom. We almost lost her. So I had a nice little chat with that dog. Two and a half years later, he died of other causes. He never ate another mushroom for the rest of his life. Wow. That's amazing. So it can have a very significant effect on them, yes. And what I see it as is animals operate in a world where there's this internet of the universe. All the animals employ telepathy, all of them, all species. And so they're communicating with each other, and that includes prey and predator and others as well. And us humans, we're not doing any of that. And we don't even, the majority of us, appreciate that there is such a thing. So when it comes to working with animals, I find that the majority of the animals feel that we're kind of a little slow. <laughs> that we think we're the superior species, but we're all over the board when it comes to really understanding our role here. And we accidentally or inadvertently give them this thing I call the dumb animal card which is where we believe they don't understand what we're saying to them necessarily. And so they can put their tail up in the air, turn around, walk off and go, yeah, no, speak the language, yeah? <laughs> and we're going, see, he's a dog. What can he understand? I mean, seriously, it's not like he reads the works of Homer or anything. Come on. So they're really dialed in far more than we would appreciate. I think one of the best examples I had recently was a gentleman who, um, he was asking me to connect with the dog. I connect with the dog and the dog goes, I want a burger. I'm rolling my eyes here. I mean, I'm, how many times have I heard that from a dog? You got to do better than that. What? Tell me more. He goes, well, fine. Westminster Kennel Show, Black Standard Poodle wins. Means nothing to me. I have no idea what he's bringing it up. But I bring it up to his uh, to his family. And his family floors me. They said, we were at Zinn Burger eating our burger and finishing up our fries when the Black Standard Poodle was crowned. And we were watching Westminster Kennel Show on the TV at the restaurant. Let me guess, your dog was home. You brought no doggy bag home he got nothing that's correct <laughs> so the fact that he knew what they were doing when they were eating that burger he gets a burger and it means it dialed into us way more than we would ever appreciate yeah you know we um we've owned cats before and one of our cats um we had a friend that would babysit her and I wouldn't even know that that friend would come over and the cat would know that she left her house and was on her way over to us and she would already be waiting for her at the door and that cat didn't like anybody else and would just be gone if anybody else came over but she always knew when my friend was on the way to come over to us even if she came unannounced yeah, yeah. they are so dialed in it's fun but they don't always reveal that they are because then with that comes responsibility mm-hmm and, and that's so true for their actions that's What's pretty that? funny because we get uh we get clients being dog trainers we get clients that tell us you know i own a dumb dog and you don't want to insult the person by saying the dog's a lot smarter than you because he's got you trained and you see it all the time you know they all the say time. something well i can't get this dog to do it because he's dumb he's like no he's got you trained really well exactly it's, it is it's a paradigm shift because you have to convince the human i mean the animal wishes we didn't do it but mm -hmm. we have to convince a human it's like the dog's got you trained you're we're describing not here half my work right now exactly <laughs> we're not here to train the dog the dog is done you need to be trained. the human needs help yeah, yeah. and it is it is amazing because in all of our training it, the dogs learn within seconds right because when right. you communicate properly with the animal they they've 
do what you want, ask them to there do There is properly. nothing else in their world. We are their world. So they're going to be hyper-focused on us. Absolutely. Yeah. And for us humans who have dogs, we, unfortunately, they're an accessory to many of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. really serious uh, difference in the way that those two viewpoints are worked out. And it's, it's kind of interesting because in my life, I, I had both points. I had where a dog was a dog and they stayed outside. That's the way we were raised. And then you right. get to a point when you get into the, you get into that environment, you realize they can be more than just a dog. They'll take that role. I mean, we've seen plenty of times where the dog's role is chained up out in the backyard, but you look at that dog and that's their job. And they're happy at what they, that's all they know. And I'm, they're going right. to do it to the best ability. But as soon yep. as you, you put them in an environment and you say, this is your job, they go, got it, this, I'm good. I mean, I, I talk about the homeless people all the time with their dogs and you, uh -huh. you know, people say, oh, the poor dog is like, if you look at the dog, the dog is in its element. He's with his owner all day, every day, never, Correct. never separated. And that dog can't be more happy because they are a team and they don't have behavior yeah. issues they usually don't need a leash the doctor stays right. with them right yeah. whereas somebody that lives in you know exactly. splendor can't exactly. you know walk their dog on a leash yeah. but yeah i i can see so many great applications though for the service that you provide i mean just from not knowing about health issues it was something we're we're dealing with right now with our little dog heidi to um you know behavior issues to obviously missing dogs to um, connecting to things it's it's pretty pretty uh, exciting to actually talk to you and I do want to tell a story because I'm a uh, I'm a very I'm a skeptic and and mm -hmm. the only reason I would believe this could actually work is because it's actually happened to a, a very good friend of me when I was a child is she lost this is a, a person that owns 15 dogs and we live out in the country and she lost one of the dogs. And she looked in the newspaper, if people can remember what those were. And that, there was a small ad, and I remember her telling me the story. And there was a, a communicator that said, you know, find missing pets. So she called them. Right. And I don't know the specifics. All I remember is that the communicator told her that the dog said they were next to this barn with an abandoned car. and was describing the area. And, uh -huh. and she knew that area. And they drive to work that the dog had just got his butt lost and he was over on some other farm and she drove around and says, there's the barn, the colored barn, there's the car. And she found her dog. And I, again, I know the person, I know they didn't make it up, stuff like that. So at that point I was a believer. Do I understand it? Absolutely not. I mean, well, I can explain it pretty easily. It's pretty <laughs> simple actually. <clears throat> so I've got a background in computer science. At the age of 12, I was doing programming in basic and other languages on a Commodore 64 128. And so I was in surrounding myself with logic, you know, things that two plus two equals four, you know, I love science. I love anything that is concrete and easy to understand. So I was extremely adverse or, you know, I had no interest whatsoever in any kind of metaphysical sciences of any kind, because to me, it was all wishy-washy, flim-flam, you know, BS. And so when it happened to me, it was a real wake up. It was like, wow, okay, so there is something more to all this. And what I discovered was that it operates no different than the uh, internet that we have in our smartphone. So the way telepathy works is pretty simple. I want you to think about your body and how you process your environment. So when you are looking around, you have your eyes that have an optic nerve. 
Now, obviously, we don't actually take the image that you're viewing and put that entire image into your brain. There's just no room to do that. You can't. So what happens is that image that you see on your retina is converted into little signals, little electrical impulses. No different than your smartphone sending a video clip to somebody or something similar. Just pulses of energy, flatlining, binary code, if you will. So when I'm in contact with someone, one of the first things I'm looking for is just that little nuance, little pop of energy. And I might be saying the individual's name, and if I get that little pop of energy coming back, it feels like a static electrical discharge, a mild adrenaline burst, or something similar. Sometimes it has goosebumps accompanying it or a little chill. Then that's an affirmation. That's a confirmation. <clears throat> if I get nothing coming through, that's a no. So oftentimes I'll be asking an animal to connect with me and I'll say, okay, I need you to tell me your age. I need to you to tell me your breed or your size or your color or something like that. Now, age is a fun one because all I got to do with that is go, what are you, under, eight, uh, under a year? Okay, what are you, over a year old? Two, three, four, and wait for that little pop of energy. And so then when I feel it, then I back up a little bit, maybe three numbers back. Okay, let me see here. 11, 12, 13. There's the 13. I feel it again. Okay, so they must be 13. Now, oftentimes it's so specific that I'll get it within a couple months in the sense of, oh, they tell me they're 16 and a half. Oh, wow, they just turned 16 and a half <laughs> or whatever. I'm yet to run into a single animal that does not know their age. That's I assure you, they all know their age. Doesn't matter what oh. species. And so then just like when you feel something or you smell something, what we're dealing with is these little packets of data being relayed through your olfactory senses, through your nervous system with your fingers and you know all the web of uh, sensors in there. And so that data is processed again in here. Now I want you to imagine if we were to take a little uh, recording device and record what's coming into the brain and then we were to send that wirelessly to you and plug it into your brain, boom, now you can experience what I'm experiencing without actually going through it. So when I'm channeling someone that drowned, for example, I can actually feel the water filling my lungs. I can feel the burning and the, this horrible <gasps> kind of feeling. Or if I get shot, I can feel the boom, you know, this giant slug just punched me. It feels like being hit by a car oftentimes or something, or like a Tyson punch. You don't ever feel the individual bullet, ever. And so um, it's a very visceral experience to make a connection with someone in spirit. Um, absolutely a lot of applications for it. It works across species lines. Uh, and not only that, but of course, wild animals too. So I'll be out in nature interacting with wild animals and they'll respond very, very clearly to direction requests and so forth. This morning I was having fun with a dragonfly and I asked him if he could uh, have a little fun with me. And so what did he do? It landed right on my hat after I told him I wanted to connect with him a little further. He's like, fine. And he rode there for quite a while, allowed me to take several selfies. I actually did an entire play one time with a honeybee on my hat. I was in this theater production and it was a three hour show. And for the next three hours, I had this honeybee with me. That's amazing. Now, I was drinking honey whiskey in all fairness, and I was playing a drunk in the show. So maybe there was something there to it. <laughs> Well, let's get back to your services. So you obviously do a lot of your, your teleconferencing. So if somebody, um, if somebody had an injured animal or a lost animal, that's what you do, right? So they could set up. I would do it over the phone. 
Okay, yeah, I okay, do it over the phone. Okay. Um, you go on my website, charlespeden.com. Okay. And uh, you uh, simply click on the scheduling page. Uh, there will be a number of different options, anything from 15 minutes on up to two hours. Uh, there's missing animal case uh, options there too. And so you go ahead and click uh, the service that you'd like to book. Say, for example, uh, one of the more popular ones is the hour. And you will have a um, calendar pop up. You select the time and date that works best for you from the available options. Proceed through checkout. And I will be calling you about two minutes prior to your appointment. That's so it's awesome. really easy to get on. Um, I book out about a month in advance, depending upon where we're at and what's happening around me and the world and whatever else. So it fluctuates a little bit, but there is also the option to expedite an appointment if you have a pressing need that's very time sensitive. Is there a time that you can't connect with an animal or, or something that they're trying to, you know, if they say, I want my talk to my cat or something, you're saying, well, he's not coming through or something. Is there a time that that happens? Very rare. It does happen on occasion, especially in a case where someone had a passing that was really mm, challenging, shall we say, right? You might still be licking your wounds. The same thing that us humans would feel like shock and all that kind of stuff, they're still going to feel that too. Just because they're outside their body doesn't mean that you're still not reeling from the experience. That's like you going through a crash and then you get out of your car and you're still okay, but your car is totaled and you're like shaking like a leaf. So depending upon how they exited, depending upon how their person is handling things, reaching out to a recently passed animal can on occasion be a little challenging. If for any reason they don't come through fairly quickly, I simply reschedule for a couple of weeks out, there's no additional fee, and almost invariably they come through the second time. Because our loved ones don't go to another dimension when they pass, but they're still with us, they're still present in our environment here, they will have adventures in the real world, just like they would if they're living, only now they have the ability to fly at near the speed of light. And so I had a conversation with a dog one time and went something like this. Okay, three times I've connected you with your dog. Today, your dog's not coming through. I don't know why. We'll reach out again in the future, but right now I got nothing. Three times earlier though, great connection. Don't know what happened. So a couple of weeks go by, I reach out to the dog again. Dog comes through right away. Like you got some explaining to do. What happened? <laughs> dog had this crazy story about the Copper River salmon run up in Alaska. Problem is my client's in Kansas, <laughs> nowhere near Alaska. So I, I hesitate before bringing it forward, but the dog's insistent. So I bring it forward. I said, what's the deal with this uh, Copper River salmon run? Are you kidding me? We were going to go, but we had to cancel our plans. We were going to go on vacation, but my husband's work wouldn't let him. He couldn't get the time off. I'm like, yeah, your dog heard those plans. I was like, you humans not going? It's a great idea. I'm going. <laughs> so there's still this very dynamic presence in nature to the afterlife where they're still very much present, thank goodness, and can see and hear and interact with this world very similar to like they could when they were living, only on a different level. Now they don't have to worry about their fuel running out. They don't have to worry about the temperature being too cold or too hot and all these other concerns that we have when we're in our vehicles or bodies. So that's why oftentimes when you hear about humans and near-death experiences, they talk about how it's peaceful and they don't want to come back. It's because like animals uh, don't have a fear of death because they're always in contact with those in spirit. They fear pain and suffering. So people ask me all the time about end-of-life questions. 
And there's a very simple rule of thumb for that. You take a, a look at your animal and you ask yourself this question. If they were in a feral colony, would they be alive today? If you hesitate before answering, then the answer is no. That means that the burden that was nature's to provide a clean exit at some point has now shifted to your shoulders. Now, through the miracles of modern medicine and care, we can extend life quite a bit. But is that always a good thing? No. It's all about quality of life. And so if you look at your animal and ask yourself this simple question after that first question has been answered that they can't live on their own, would you be happy with the life that they have presently if you were living their life? Would there be any bright points in your day? Do you have anything to look forward to or is it just a matter of getting through the day and trying not to have a bad day? That's when you gotta make that call. If you can't be comfortable with it yourself, then you need to provide the gift of freedom. See, in nature, that's very quickly done usually. You very rarely hear about animals who suffer a long time. No, there's a predator to step in. There's something that's gonna remove them fairly quickly. You look at the wildebeest and the pride of lions and the wildebeest surrendering because he knows it's a quick exit as opposed to starvation and whatever else he's dealing with with trying to keep up with the rest of the herd. They don't fear death. They fear pain and suffering. It's only us humans that fear death because we don't understand it. That's, that's a very powerful message. Uh, you also teach people how to, I don't know what you call it, you know, to open up your mind or something like that. And that's correct. It's very cool when you, when you talk to people that do this and they say, you can do it too. I mean, it gives you a little shimmer of light to say, you made I'm not, I'm not the Neanderthal that I think that I am. You know? <laughs> How does so that you work? want to hold on to that old vehicle, huh? The Neanderthal vehicle? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. you might know that there's other vehicles. You know, it's like the Tesla. You know, I know that there's right. a Tesla, and I'm going to own one, but I still have my Prius for now. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, I think one of the best things to know about this is that everybody can do it, but not everybody's going to necessarily be doing it at the level that I'm doing it. Um, that would be like saying that everybody can become, become the greatest singer in the world or the greatest uh, dancer or pianist or whatever, right? So there's skill sets, there's aptitude, there's abilities to utilize skills, and we all vary in those departments. But we all have the same basic package built into our vehicle, and that's um, the ability to use telepathy. And we're all doing it all the time, we just aren't aware of it. And so once we harness it, actually utilize it actively and um, cognitively, then it can become a very powerful asset and tool. Uh, and so I can certainly help. Uh, and I guess a good analogy would be if you are a singer and you went to do karaoke and your friends said, listen, listen, here's another beer. Go sit down. Leave the singing for us, okay? In fact, we're throwing you out. You're 86. And so I can take that person and now they're not going to get thrown out of the karaoke joint. They're never going to cut a gold record, but they're certainly not going to continue to scare off the patrons at the local bar. So I can bring your levels up on your intuitive abilities, but there's no guarantee you're going to start becoming the next, uh, you know, great animal communicator or psychic medium or John Holland or whatever, John Edwards and all those other names. Can they get to a point to where they go, okay, I feel something or I see something or I get to oh, a point easy, where it's easy. like, 
<clears throat> the easy part is getting them to where they can feel or see something. Okay. The tricky part is understanding what you're feeling and what you're seeing. It's all about context, okay? So oftentimes I'll see a piece of information and I don't understand the context in which it's being presented. I just see the information. So earlier today, I was doing a reading for a lady and I kept seeing Rambo. She's talking to me about spirit guides and wanting to know how to better her life and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, Rambo, what the heck does Rambo have to do with anything? She went to a writing school. That writing school was the same school that the author who wrote Rambo went to. He was talked about by the alumni at that school and by the teachers at that school incessantly. She remembers that so well, it's ridiculous. Now her passion is writing and she has let it fall by the wayside and she wants to improve that. She never brought that up during the reading. It came forward because I saw the reference to Rambo. And of course, what I'm sitting there doing is going, what the heck does Rambo? Because I got this guy coming through. He's got this machine gun. He's got all these bullets flying off of it. And he's screaming. And he's got this headband. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see that as being her. But it was extremely relative to the uh, connection and what she was asking about. So what I see is that as a medium, we're on the outside looking in. And we don't always understand the data points that we view. We have to rely upon the person who's being read. Now, if you're working for yourself in the sense of doing a reading on yourself or your loved ones, the challenging part there, but I have a way to work around that. But the challenge that most people face is that you have so many memories associated with the individual that you're looking to connect with that you all, regardless of whether they're living or past, you have all these images, these video clips, all these audible clips in your mind. It's hard to distinguish between new data coming through versus you retrieving and reconstituting a memory. But there's a way to work around that. When you're teaching someone, I, I guess I'm trying to get the analogy that you're talking about where you can bring somebody up to a level where they understand the, the signal. I'm thinking back to when you're in the computers like myself, back into the old acoustic modems where you would hear that pitch and that tone and you knew what it was or the facsimile, but it's like, it means nothing to me. It's got to go through the dumb terminal. Is that kind of what it is? Like they'll see That's something. exactly it. Something. Yeah. So okay. I'll frequently have someone tell me, I feel something. I can feel somebody. I just don't know who they are or what they are. Okay. okay. And so because you can feel somebody, that means they clearly are able to influence you at some level and bring forward some kind of energy that's associated with them to impact you. So then what you do is you start asking questions that are very simple yes, no formatted questions. Understanding that that little pulse of energy is a yes reply and that nothing coming through is a no. And you're gonna use that in addition to any images that you might see in your brain. See, the problem is that just like your smartphone, we only have one screen in our brain. And regardless of whether you're communicating with somebody telepathically or retrieving a memory, it looks the same because it's all in the same workspace. So what you do is you ask yourself, did I generate this information or is this coming to me from an outside source? So when we meditate, the traditional uh, guidance has always been, go ahead and take a look at what's in your mind, discard it and clear it out. And then you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. All that incoming information is being discarded. Your grandpa trying to get a hold of you, he's been discarded, so on and so forth. Your cat who was from your childhood, who's excited that you got a new cat in your life, He's been discarded. You get the idea. And back to that um, reincarnation thing real quick. The reason there's so many stories about animals reincarnating and coming back during a present lifetime is simply because animals communicate with spirit. So when you acquire a new animal, that new animal is in contact with your past animal. 
And so that past animal is then coaching your new animal. And if they're receptive, they will then start to do behaviors that you associate with your past animal. And that's not your past animal. That's your new animal doing a solid for your past animal. Oh, and I've seen that countless times, uh, both personally and uh, with clients all over the world. Do you find that it's easier to communicate with uh, uh, dog, uh, animals or people? Is it all about the same? It's all, all energy, huh? It depends upon the individual. Every single individual is different. So it's all about personality. It's not about what species you are. That's kind oh, of like saying it's all about race. You know, it's not about race. It's all about who you are as a person. Yeah. So that's the way I see it. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. <laughs> you know, I've had conversations with Katie did. They were extremely in-depth. Um, you know, a, a small insect. I was out at my uh, hmm, wood pile a couple of years ago, seven years ago. And uh, we lived up in uh, Northern California, about halfway up the mountain to Tahoe. We're, around 3,000 some odd elevation. And we had an early snowstorm. And so I'm out there looking at the woodshed and out on the outside of my garage was this green insect. And I look at it and I'm like, what are you doing out here? I mean, everything's covered in white. You, you shouldn't be out here. <laughs> and the insect said to me, I'm a Katie did. I need to lay my eggs. I can't do that. Please bring me in. I have something to request of you. So what do you need? Go grab an oak branch, put the branch in the jar, put a little uh, screen of mesh uh, like material on top. I'm gonna lay my eggs on the oak branch and then I'm gonna be dead. I'll have completed my work. First of all, I don't even know you're a female. <laughs> so, uh, all right then. So I told my wife, I go, honey, I got this Katie did. He has an odd request. I even know what a Katie did was. I had to look it up. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and honor it and hopefully something comes of it. The very next morning, she was dead on the ground in the jar and there was a long series of eggs laid on the uh, branch. That next spring I put out in the yard and her task was done. Um, pretty detailed conversation, one that I would have had no idea in advance, but she was spot on. Um, mm -hmm. Had conversations with rattlesnakes and of course lizards like we talked about and other critters too. I haven't found any that are smarter or dumber than the other. They're all about the same. Except think about this for a second. To think about our smartphones. You know how not all smartphones are built the same? They all can connect with the internet, but some of them are not built with bells and whistles, right? So I want you to kind of imagine that that's what our bodies are like. Some are a little bit higher end in the sense that they got more technology packed into them, like our high-end SUV that we drive called a human. Or it's really simple, like a slug, where it's not a lot of complex moving parts. <laughs> and there you go. So we're getting pretty close to time, unless I'm mistaken. Yes. I got another client coming up. Okay. Well, we really appreciate your time and uh, it's such awesome information. Yeah. So it'd be great to share that with our audience. Do you so have a dog that's got a honey amber coat? Yes. And they're a little on the smaller side? Mm-hmm. Kind of about, oh, what, about 20 pounds, 15 pounds, somewhere around there? A little bigger. Yeah, yeah that'd be uh, following. And a little bit of hungry. body to the coat? A little <laughs> bit of body to the coat? As oh, yeah. As opposed to short? Yeah. yeah. We're talking fluffy, right? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Who is that? What's that dog's name? They're close to Apollo. thirty pounds. Apollo. Uh, yeah, Apollo. Mm -hmm. They're actually He's about a... thirty pounds. Mm -hmm. Good. He's the star of our YouTube channel. He's a little photogenic oh. boy. <laughs> He's my little boy. <laughs> Apollo, what do you want from your family? Give me just a minute here. Can I ask you a really weird question? Yeah. Uh, you eat celery, right? Yeah. Did you have celery with peanut butter recently? <laughs> I'm pointing at him. Oh, I'm sorry. You couldn't see my finger. I'm pointing at you, sir. sir. Oh, <laughs> Did you just oh have I'm sorry. With, did you just have celery with peanut butter? I Not at the same time, but I like peanut butter with celery. Yeah. I had celery about three days ago. She she cut a bunch of celery up for me to take to work and I ate the whole bag. Okay, because your dog is talking to me about the celery and the peanut butter. Okay. That's, well, that's funny. Okay. Yeah. I, I try, have, have you tried to give him veggies? Is that why he's possibly bringing this up? Yeah, he doesn't like them. He, no, he does not. Well, he's telling <laughs> he, me he, he wants the peanut butter because he knows that you do the peanut butter with celery. He's like, if you're going to give me the vegetables, just do away with the celery. Get rid of that and just hook me up with the peanut butter. <laughs> well, I, I love peanut butter. I have peanut butter and cereal. So like, Jim eats peanut butter with everything, but <laughs> but I've been trying to feed Apollo green beans, and he will take them out and put them to the side of his bowl. <laughs> he picks them out, spits them out. Yeah, I know the yeah. difference between green beans and celery. He was definitely talking about you and peanut butter and celery. No question about that, um, because I'm I'm very well versed on green beans. But yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> It's like, Dad, man, hook me up with the peanut butter. I know you love it. Hook me up with some more. <laughs> All right, well, tell him I'll give him some peanut butter. Not too much, because I don't want him to get diarrhea. Yeah, Apollo, you heard that, okay, buddy? Uh, That's cute. I'm going to pull out my jiffy now and then give him a finger full of peanut butter. And one other I have to ask you about, um, do you have a dog with a dark coat that's got a curl to it? Yes. Well, not that? anymore. Not anymore. That's, not, I was going to actually add that they're in spirit, and I'm positive of that. Who is that? A Jaeger. Yeah. Jaeger. Best dog we had. Yeah. Could yeah. make me cry when you said that. That's a huge yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jaeger mm -hmm. just wants to say he loves you guys very, very much. Um, thank you. Yeah, we we miss him every day. <laughs> All right, Jaeger. <laughs> All right. I gotta run. I gotta go to uh yeah, I'm headed off to England. Cool. Thank, England. thank you for that. That was that was very special. Yep, thank, you. thank you. Oh, you're welcome. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So we know they're connecting us because it's a very emotional bond or connection. And so it's a very visceral like slam into you with all this emotion. And it's all about energy and it translates as kind of like emotion. And yeah, that's a big confirmation. Hey, it's me, Jaeger. Yay, they recognize me. That's <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, right. we'll never we'll never forget him. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's a sweetheart. You guys mm -hmm. take care. Enjoy the Thank rest you. of your day. You Thank too. you very Thank much. Thank you, Charles. So bye nice bye. to meet you. Bye. It was a pleasure. Bye. bye bye. Thank you for joining us today on People with Passion for Pets. We're Jim and B Walker, and we share the adventure of life with our dog Apollo and Heidi. For more adventure videos, check out our YouTube channel, Modern Canine Vlog. Or visit our website, www.mcs.dog. And until next time, keep your paws on the road.